0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Uh, this morning, um, I'm not preaching, and everybody said amen. Larry and Sheila Benson are here as they are every year at this time, and every year I say, Larry, you need to preach one time for us. And uh, Larry and Sheila are our missionaries, in the nation of Honduras. Uh, How many of you have been to Helene and uh, down there and worked with Larry and Sheila? There's some of us in here who have. We've had several groups go over the years. And they have an amazing ministry there, outreach uh, to the people on this little island, the Bay Islands of Honduras. And we'll hear hear from Larry about that. But we're glad to have them here. And uh, they'll be leaving before too long, going back to a place where it's warmer. And uh, yeah, and so um, would you welcome Larry as he comes up and shares God's word with us? As always, it's great to be home. But I have to admit, it's great to be there when we are there. So I want to take a few minutes and do you a review of Helene and kind of what's happened this year. Helene is uh, an island in the Bay Islands of Honduras. It's It's a small island, one mile by four. They don't let me out much, uh, and uh, it's only reasonable by boat. It has no roads, no electricity, of course, no roads, no cars, uh, no running water, and we are just getting close to getting electricity, and so uh, that's where Sheila and I have been for the last 15 years, and popping here and out and around. So, I wanted to talk about what what God has done this year in uh, two thousand and eighteen in review, we took seniors on our boat to the senior day party. Now, I want to tell you something if um, if you 've never been in a boat with a bunch of ladies that are sixty years and older and had them as a captive audience and you had you you 've never really had any real fun yet because these ladies are vivacious, and I can tell you. When you look at a a two-year-old or you just say sometimes they're full of it, these ladies are full of it at 60 and 65, and so uh, I got the chance to go and be with them as they went and celebrated Seniors Day. That means all of the ladies and all of the men that are 60 and over get together in one place, and they give them a big meal, they give them gifts, they have contests, and boy do they get into it. Uh, the second thing that was really noticeable this year, we are now finishing up a school. It's a nine thousand square foot school. This is a school that uh, was falling down. There was an older school here that was falling down around us, and now uh, we're seeing the new school built. This school is nine thousand square feet. This is the biggest school in the whole area in which we are. This is uh, there's only a thousand people on Helene, and we have a nine thousand square foot building so we got plenty of space for everybody it's the biggest building they've ever seen the Honduran government will give you extra things like feeding programs for children they'll donate computers if you have a computer lab and all this type of stuff but the government will not build those schools to have those things in them the school we had before was just three classrooms we got 12 now and we have a computer lab, so we're going to get free com- new computers. We have a cafeteria, so we're going to get free meals for the children while they're at school. And it's just amazing. Uh, this is a, a building that we've had uh, several partners with. Rotary International is one of them from Canada. But together, between Rotary and us, we've raised about $170,000 to build this school. And uh, to be honest with you, one of the first people persons I talked to about this was Mark Bissell and I went and sat at his place and says can you give me some ideas and he drew some things up for me in a couple of days and what we see here is a really an extension of what Mark and and I just kind of thought about one afternoon he just kind of put it together and I took it back to Honduras and here we go and so God has been faithful in that one of the other things that happened is we have built in the last couple of years a vocational training center and this year, at the Vocational Training Center, we did, uh, had people in to do water sanitation. Water is coming to Helene. In fact, God blessed beyond our imagination. And there was a grant given for $157,000 to build wells, to dig wells in Honduras. And now we get a second grant coming to be able to take that water and to bring it to the homes. And a part of that great solution is something that looks just like this this is a water filter it was designed by a missionary that served in india and china he was a chemist and he developed this little filter and this filter is made to where um well for, let me just tell you for our board meeting that we just had here we went outside got water off of the back porch at rick's house we we're staying in the the the, their, the house at the beach and we he had a trash can out there that just filled up with water. So we just took that water out of that trash can, I put it through this filter, and all the board members had their coffee made out of this water. Now, I didn't tell them until after they had drank a cup or two. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to support missionaries, you gotta be do the missionary thing every once in a while. And so they were, they were amazed by this. Usually, filters like this are like $150 or something because the technology is so big. Uh, Heavy in them, but this particular guy has this belt and it's $17.50. It can actually make 400 gallons of drinking water a day. It's been out for five years and they've never been replaced. God is amazing in what He can do. So, this, something very similar to this, will go into the homes uh, when the water starts to flow in Honduras. Uh, The other things that have happened in Honduras, we have finished 15 years of Helling Christian English School. We have 100 kids in school, and Sheila is very much a big part of mentoring those school teachers day in and day out. Uh, The other thing that happened is that uh, we started a new Bible study with men on the, in, in, a part of, in a community called Bentley Bay. I just went visiting in Bentley Bay one day. I met a guy named Cody. I said, Cody, what about a Bible study? He says, if you'll come, I'll make it happen. So uh, I was kind of going, you know, okay, let's see what happens. So he calls me on Friday afternoon because we decided we were going to do the Bible study on Friday afternoon. And he says, where are you? I says, what do you mean, where am I? I was waiting for you to let me know. Well, I'm down at the dock waiting for you. Come and get on the boat. Let's go do the Bible study. And we've been doing a Bible study there all year long, and two men have given their life to Christ, and that has just been an exciting thing to see how Cody has had a burden for the men in his community, all that men would burn to see other men saved and come to Jesus. We have a new ministry location that we're establishing on Roatan. This was a property that was given to us about five years ago where we're going to be partnering with another ministry. This is going to be a location for a family to stay in or missionaries to come part-time. We actually have a situation where we're going to be involved in helping this next year build 40 homes for unwed moms and having their children. And this this is a phenomenal thing because God has worked it out that the people will actually own their homes. They'll pay $100 a month, and in less than 10 years, they'll own their own home. They cannot sell it at a major profit. There's limits to that. The, if they move out of the home and they do better to where they don't have a, have a need anymore, then the house is put back in the system to be sold again. You have to apply, and it's just, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful spot. And I think the greatest news to me is not only do we get to be involved in building the houses, we have a full, open door for ministry, children's club, ministering to moms, ministering to whoever is there in Bible study and discipleship. I'm looking forward to that. We served 2,659 people in our medical clinic this year. We we made 24,000 gallons of drinking water for the island. We purchased a new boat. Like I said, Sheila discipled some uh, teachers, and I worked in discipleship with with Ted, Aaron, Albert, Cody, Jerry, Brian, and Matilde. What an awesome group of guys. I wish you could meet them all. They're very much a part of my life and I love them dearly. So that's kind of what's going on in Helene. If you want to have some more questions about that, you're welcome to ask us towards the end, all right? And let me get my stuff. As you can tell, uh, I'm from a third world country I do not have any tablet or anything up here. I am working off of what with this old-fashioned stuff we call paper and letters and sentences. So here we go. Let's pray together, can we? Lord Jesus, I am really broken, and I have nothing to offer these people except you. Like everyone else here, I am hungry for your presence to be here and to meet with us, to make yourself manifest right now. Right here, right now. I am so impatient. I am nothing and I need the word, the living word of God to permeate everything that is said in these next moments, to bring glory and honor to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. I want to talk about, uh, this morning, about discipleship. Intentional discipleship. God is waiting. God is waiting for us to be involved in discipleship god is waiting for you i want you to do me a favor just bow your heads and close your eyes i know you're going to have the temptation to peek if i catch you that's okay but just bow your heads and close your eyes there he was just waiting in our old familiar place an empty spot beside him where I once used to wait to be filled with strength and wisdom for the battles of the day I would have passed him by again but I clearly heard him say I miss my time with you those moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart for more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. Isn't that amazing? That God would call out to us, saying, I miss my time with you. Can you imagine what it was to God when he created Adam and Eve and he came to walk in the cool of the day with them? And he said he came to meet with them and to worship with them and to impart his life to them, give them the life-giving flow from himself in the garden. It was just Adam and Eve and God. You're talking about one-on-one time. They were getting it. And God shows up one day, and there's three words out of Genesis that haunts my life constantly. Where are you? And they're not there. God has to go looking for them. I cannot imagine what God's spirit felt at that moment. He was the creator of the world, the creator of these these human beings who were created to worship him. And where are you? Is God waiting for you to spend time with him and you're just not there? I thought about the story of Abraham and Isaac. When God comes to Abraham and says, it's time for you to give your, your son. So they go up on a mountain, and it says that God speaks to him to go to a a mountain to sacrifice his son. And he speaks to him one day, and the next day he takes off. And it says he sees the place uh, far away off, and then kind of looks at his people who are traveling with him. And Abraham looks at them, at his servants, and says, I and my son are going to worship, and we will return. Now God has already told him to sacrifice his son. So they're on their way. And Abraham's thinking, we're going to worship. We're going to meet with the one true God. I get to be with him one-on-one. We're going to worship. And Isaac's going, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, in all of his wisdom, says, God will provide And Abraham takes his one and only son, puts him on the altar, starts to drive a dagger through him to sacrifice him unto God. And God says, wait, 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 wait. There's a ram caught in the thicket. Take him and sacrifice him instead. What a beautiful picture for us. You've already heard our Pastor Rick talk about forgiveness. Oh, wow. But God also says this. Listen, the person of Jesus Christ wants to spend so much time with you. He wants to come into your life. He wants to live within you. True salvation is Christ in you, the very hope of glory. And it's such a picture of Jesus and what God has done for us. Because Jesus, because God comes to the Lord Jesus and says, I want you to give your life for the people. I want you to give your life. And Jesus, Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is agonizing over what God is asking him to do. Have you ever done that? You just, you just don't want to do it. And you hear God asking you to do something, you don't want to do it. And Jesus, knowing that he has felt everything that we have felt, looks at God and says, hey, what about plan B? You've got to have a plan B. But there's no plan B. And God comes to his one and only son and says, will you give your life? And like the greatest missionary that there's ever been, Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go. And he goes to Calvary for us and he dies on the cross for us. He saves us from our sins. He forgives us because we had no idea what we were doing. Wow! if you have never had an intimate relationship with, like that with Jesus I urge you, I beg with you, I plead with you today is the day of salvation for you God wants to come and live in your life and bring redemption to your household God desires, um, a brief message this morning, God has just two things. The first truth is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they want to intentionally disciple you. They want to disciple you. God wants to be with you and disciple you one-on-one. The second truth is God calls us to to intentionally disciple one another. Now, what is discipleship? When you love someone, you desire to spend time with that person. And over time, you will become more like that person. This is is what we call discipleship. Now, does anybody have any idea where I got that definition from? That definition is right off our website at Nagsay Church. You notice some things about it? I do. When you love someone... What happens? You become more and more like them. You grow together. You disciple one another. I guarantee you, my wife disciples me. Not that I always like to hear that part. But she does. And I get to disciple her. Not that she always wants to hear what I have to say. But God is working in the disciple each of our hearts. So discipleship, the foundation for God's discipleship is love. But God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies, while we didn't understand, when we didn't, as Rick said this morning, have a clue, Christ still died for us. While I was not worthy of salvation, God in his infinite mercy and grace and understanding saw me as worth saving. How awesome is that? Love's foundation. If we allow God to work in our hearts and to really pour out his spirit and work in us, there's a couple of things that happen. First of all, there is God's foundation. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many of y'all have heard that somewhere before? uh, Maybe uh, in Sunday school somewhere? When you were growing up as a child? Maybe you were not in church much, but God says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God has come to us and said, that's what I want from you. That's how I want to disciple you. So when we spend time with Jesus, we come to you and say, we love you. I want to ask you something, parents. When was the last time you sat down quietly by yourself and you said, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. See, God is wanting to take and work in our hearts. And He says this when we spend time with Him, He transforms and changes us. All change happens for me. I'm talking about my personal life. Change happens to me when I worship. Worship is the key to transformation and change. In fact, I am convinced that so m- we worship so little, that's why we change so slow. Because God is wanting us He is calling us to worship him. And so much of the time, we're not truly worshiping. We're not coming saying, God, I love you. I want to be with you. I know if I'm going to be with you, then you're going to change me. Remember what the definition was of discipleship? If you love somebody, you want to spend time with somebody, and you become like them. That's what the process of transformation and discipleship between God and you is all about. That's just how it works. When you spend time with him, look at uh, in Philippians one twenty eight. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they were to, that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved. There are so many times on the foreign mission field that I get frightened, and I have to stop, or I may be frightened about not having enough money, or I may be frightened about a relationship that's gone bad, or I may be frightened about what's going on at work, or I may be frightened, I mean, I can just list everything I can be frightened about. And when I spend time with God in personal worship and prayer, he takes that fear and turns it to faith. It goes something like this. Yeah, God, I know that situation. I cannot change it. I cannot do anything about it. That's a good place to start because sometimes we think we can change whatever we want. We cannot. And as we pray, God's peace that passes all understanding comes, comes to us and fear is turned to faith. Second thing is, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't even think right. I think my wife would attest to that. I don't even think right half the time. And so God has to transform my mind and my thinking to where it is acceptable in his sight and worship. God is wanting to transform me in the way I think. He's wanting to take my fear and turn it to faith. And then he says this. He wants to take my weakness and make it my strength. Wow. Now... This is scary. I'm getting ready to do something that's a little bit scary right now. You ready for it? I have a lot of weaknesses. I'm going to introduce two people to you. David and Heather Willis, stand up, please. This is David and Heather Willis. I have known Heather since I have been involved in missions. She is one of my mentors. She is someone that disciples me. She knows... Too many of my weaknesses, and has confronted me on too many things. And so, so and and her husband meets with me every week. Now, not in Honduras, but you know, through Skype, we don't have conversations and that type of thing. And it is a process of transformation that discipleship is happening. And if I'm not thinking right, or if I'm weak, I'll be told. And so it is an understanding that God and his graciousness is doing this. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. So all of my weaknesses are bringing me to a point to be dependent Upon God. Now, here's the deal, real quick. Listen to this. You may not be you may not be used to this term, but I'm going to share it with you. The term is gospeling. There is an understanding that Jesus, we sing a song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Did he pay it all? Did he pay for all your sins? Did he pay for all your frustration? Did he pay for all your anger? Did he pay for all your lack of discipline? Did he pay for all of your loss of joy? Did he pay for all of it? Did he pay for all of it? Yes, he paid for it all. But you know what we do when somebody is hurting, we usually come back with them to, well, this is what I think about that. Why do we not have what God is thinking about it? Why when our children do something wrong and we want to correct them instead of saying, you just do it because I told you to. Sit down with them, help them understand the gospel, what it is that Christ died for, that they don't have to do that. They don't have to be consumed by it. Three years ago, I'm going to tell you, in my personal life, a transformation started to happen you can, you can have it verified this morning if you want to with Heather. But I, every, time, every time something happened to me and somebody did something negative towards me, I thought I was disrespected. And I would call her on the phone and say, I was disrespected by this person and this person and this person and this person. And you know what? And it would just drive her insane. And it got to where it drove me insane. But what I realized over time, God started changing my heart. And I realized that everything that people were saying was not disrespectful. God had to change something in me. It was the receiver that had the problem, not the giver. You ever thought that way? That you may be a part of your own problem? Now, when I'm offended, I rarely even think about somebody disrespecting me. I may think other things, (laughs) but not about that. The other thing it says is, is that not only will you have strength where you've been weak, but now, he says, he restores my soul. Love the Lord God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Wow! He restores my soul. When I first came back to the United States on November third here this year, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want my telephone to ring. I cut it off part of the time. I didn't want to see anybody. Don't, don't, don't talk to me. Don't mess with me. not oh, oh gosh. Sheila didn't even know how to talk because I I could just kind of lose it in a minute. Because you know what? I had been so involved in doing things for God, I had not been with God. You know what I mean? We think we got a better idea for God, but we don't want to be with him. And he says, I want to spend my time with you. That's how I restore your soul. Hey. If you wanna change, and you do, you do. Don't try another behavioral adjustment. Come to Jesus, worship Him and says, God, this is where I'm struggling. Second of all, God's call calls God is intentional as he discipleship you. He will come and say, he, he comes and says, come, 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 come. Come to me and I will give you rest. In fact, Jesus calls, when he calls us, he makes us. You understand that? If he calls us to something, he makes us ready for that. He, when he calls it, he makes us. Okay, now, truth number two. God calls us to intentionally disciple one another. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's risky. God's foundation for making disciples is love, so love must be also my foundation to be involved in discipling others. God's character and you commandment that I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. All men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. We cannot get away from loving each other. We just can't. I love what Rick said this morning about, is there anybody in here you've offended? Anybody you need to get straightened out with? Because you see, that's an act of love. Now for some of us, it feels like an act of, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just stay angry the way I am. But that's not God's intention. God's intention is for us to love one another. Love is the foundation for making disciples. I mean, iron sharpens iron. Now, when we're discipling one another, that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Because when you get two pieces of iron and you're trying to get one to sharpen the other, neither one of the pieces of iron, if you could talk to them, they would say, yeah, this is fun, isn't it? No, the iron would complain frustrate, talk to you about it. I mean, they would just say, hey, this is no fun. But it's needed because it sharpens us so we can do what we're called to do. (laughs) That's why you're discipled. So you can do what God has called you to do. We are intentionally equipped to disciple one another. Listen to this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And When they saw them, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Wow. Go and make disciples. Now, what was the first thing they did? They saw Jesus. They saw who he was. Couldn't discount Jesus for who he was. The Son of God, the Lamb of God paid the price for our sin. They saw Jesus. What happened next? They worshiped him. The moment you see Jesus and the moment things start to happen, you're going to want to worship him. And so that's what happened. But then some doubted. I can't believe that's in that passage of Scripture. Some doubted. You know what? Some of us have Jesus living inside of us, your favorite verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but you've never engaged anyone to disciple. So really what you're saying, God can only do in me and through me what I want him to do. So you have limited God from the very beginning. Jesus is all authority. Now, if God has given you a spirit, spirit, and the Spirit of God lives in you, and he says he has all authority. He has put that, set that aside to use for you to be able to speak into someone else's life. Jesus said to go, therefore, and make disciples. Who are you investing in? (laughs) I want to look just a second at Jeremiah 18. This is amazing to me. God comes to Jeremiah and says, I got a message for you. I want you to go down to the potter's house. And so he goes down to the potter's house and God says, I have a message for you there. And there is this picture of clay that he has. Now, I just want you to think about clay for a moment. If God is discipling us and we're called to disciple others, listen to this. Clay has no plans of its own. Take your plans, put them aside. No aspirations of service. Huh, I don't want to work in that children's class. I want want to do something different. That's not enough prestige for me. And then at times, and then it has no reluctance to perform the tasks that God has called them to do. No reluctance, none whatsoever. And then clay is always moldable, pliable, totally submissive to the will of its master. Wow. At times we declare to God, I have discovered my strength and my witnesses, so therefore that means I don't have to do. You fill in the blank. Oh, children of Israel. But let me change that. Oh, said Church. Oh, those who... I have discipled and have been called to disciple others. Can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hands of the potter? So are you in my hands? God has so equipped us to be able to disciple one another and to be discipled by him. Jesus said in John 17, I, Jesus, have made you God known to all of my disciples and will continue to make them known in order that the love God has for me and Jesus may be in them and that the disciples and that I, Jesus, myself, may be in them. God has put his life in you to fill you with his presence that you, would be equipped to be a disciple-maker so the world and you would be transformed. And last of all, to be followers of Jesus, to be true followers of Jesus, we must love Jesus and allow him to love us and allow him to disciple us we must intentionally disciple others. The definition of disciple, if you love someone so much, then you will want to spend time with them and you will both be changed. God, God is waiting on you to be discipled by him. And God is waiting for you to disciple others. Bow your heads just for a second, would you? God has called you to be discipled. And disciple others. And still the words of our Savior goes out. Where are you? Where are you? And there he was just waiting. And there he was just waiting. In that old familiar place. Have you lost it? That intimacy of fellowship that God wants to pour into your life. That you would be changed and transformed that you could see the work of God in your own life, and you would want to pour that into other people's lives. If you're not involved in discipleship, it's saying some things about you that your relationship with Jesus is not where it should be. Or you're being controlled by fear. There he was just waiting. God, please add to your word and apply it to our hearts that you will be glorified in all that we say and do. For it's in Jesus' name and all the people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags said Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.